0: Welcome to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. I'm your co-host,
1: Erin Todd. I'm a writer and an intuitive eater. And I'm your co-host, Charlie Castle, registered dietitian and exercise physiologist. We're here to help you discover whole health for your mind, body, and soul. That's right. Our goal is to embody scripture, ditch
0: dieting, and live on purpose. Woo! Woo! Yes, girl! Welcome back, friends. You are joining us in the heart of season two of Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. This is where our guests are sharing with us their God story, their food story, and just the lessons that they've learned along the way. These conversations are meant to be encouraging to you as you walk this intuitive eating path with Jesus. If you're looking to learn about intuitive eating, you need to head back to season one of the podcast. That is our teaching season where we lay the foundation and then unpack each of the principles of intuitive eating specifically from a biblical perspective, one principle at a time. Season one was meant to be treated kind of like an online course. So we want you to listen from the beginning, go in order and take your time. These season two stories of encouragement will be waiting for you and you can come back to them at any time. There is no rush. I know you're going to get so much more out of these season two conversations if you take the time to learn the basics in season one first. In today's episode, we're talking with our guest, Laura Acuna, and she is sharing her testimony of finding freedom with food through her faith, and she is giving us some great encouragement that it is never too late for God to write a new story. Laura Acuna is a speaker, author, Bible teacher, podcast host, and coach. She has served as a women's ministry leader for over 23 years. A graduate of Liberty University, she earned her degree in Christian counseling and a minor in biblical studies. Laura is the co-founder of Sisters in Faith Ministries, a non-profit ministry to women in the Damascus, Maryland area. Laura is married to Pat. The two are the parents of three sons and one daughter in love. They became first-time grandparents to Evelyn Grace, finally a girl in July 2021. Laura challenges her sisters to grow up to become spiritually and emotionally mature. Her new book, Still Becoming, Hope, Help, and Healing for the Diet-Weary Soul was published in December 2022. Laura is the host of the Still Becoming podcast, which is available on all your favorite podcast platforms. I do want to give a quick little content warning here before we get in to our conversation with Laura that there are going to be some weight and size and specific weight number amounts as a part of Laura's story. So if you think that you might be triggered by any of that, then I just really want to encourage you to please take care of yourself. Before we jump into this conversation, as a reminder for all of our podcast episodes, this program is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Our aim is to introduce you to the principles of intuitive eating and help you see how those principles align with scripture so you can improve your relationship with food, your body, and God, and cast out dieting for good. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. I'm excited to be here with Women Who Get Me. Yes.
0: Uh, (laughs) We're so excited to have you. We Thank would you. love for you to take us back to the beginning. So God story, food story, whichever goes back the farthest for you. Start us off there.
2: Well, my food story is my God story, although I have, of course, other God stories in my life as well. It's not the only thing that he's been present for over the long haul. But when I was 11 years old, I entered the seventh grade at about five feet tall and 100 pounds. And by the time I left the ninth grade, two years later, I'd grown an inch or two, but I had gained over 100 pounds. I was well over 200 pounds. I did not get on the scale much after that, honestly. Uh, But I went from about a size seven to a size 20, sometimes 22. It was dramatic. It was, um, I always have described it as a bomb going off in my life and everything changed because everything really did change. Everything. Um, you know, people didn't recognize me because it happened so fast. And so when I'd go to uh, family gatherings, reunions, weddings, funerals, you know, my own relatives who only saw me a few times a year had no idea who I was. It completely changed the way I looked. And that was very traumatic for a little girl. Very traumatic. Uh, I was an excellent student in school. Teachers told my parents, she can do anything, she's that bright. But I immediately began failing, and I barely made it out of high school. So it had an impact. Um, oh, my. It just completely changed everything. It was the filter that I looked through when I viewed myself, uh, when I viewed others, and certainly when I viewed God. And I carried that with me for 50 years, five zero, until he set me free.
0: Long can time. Ask, can I ask, what did you said? This was the filter that you looked through to see yourself and others and God. Like, what did what did that shape um, your view of God into? How did you see Him at that time?
2: I believed unequivocally that He had a plan and purpose for my life, and it involved my gifts and my abilities. Even as a little girl, I knew that. And when I gained all that weight, I believed that because I'd blown it and I'd so disappointed him that he took it away from me, that I wasn't allowed to have what he had for me anymore. He was done. I believe he loved me because he was God and he had to, but I didn't think he liked me. And I certainly didn't think he could work with me. Colored everything. Oh, Absolutely wow. everything. Yeah. So what it was, was
0: hard? What was the teenage years like with that?
2: Well, those were the yo-yo dieting years. My mother, of course, um, no, no one knew what we know now about eating disorders. We didn't know what we know now about uh, depression, anxiety, good old ADD in girls because we present differently than boys, um, usually later in middle school, and um, come across kind of flighty, you know, creative, um, but boys are more hyper- hyperactive, which I was not. Um, so my mom took me to weight watchers that's what she did and i remember walking in that church basement and thinking how did i get here like this is where my mother's friends go my mother didn't even go my mother didn't have have any issues with her weight and so my mother had never gone to weight watchers but her friends did and so she took me and that became um that was the beginning of my toxic relationship with my body my food um Obviously, I was eating a lot, but um, everything became good and bad. I was good and bad. I was cheating. I wasn't cheating. I was being good. I was, you know, standing and looking at uh, menus in pizza parlors with my friends after the movies and thinking, I want the pizza. I'm hungry. And thinking, I can't have the pizza. You have to have the salad or a Diet Coke. But then I think if I have the Diet Coke and the salad, I'll be different than everybody else. And then everyone will know why I'm eating the salad and the Diet Coke. I mean, this this thinking went on and on and on until only a few years ago.
1: Wow. So what happened a few years ago?
2: I hit my tipping point. The Lord had been healing me in other areas of my life. Uh, I had an epic failure in college. I, I couldn't go away to school like with, like my friends because I almost didn't make it out of high school, but I did go to community college and I had an, an epic failure there. I, I mean, I kept thinking if I changed environments, I would get better. But of course, something was broken inside that nothing outside could fix. And only God can fix what he's created anyway. But I didn't know that. So when I turned 50, I'm 64 now, I went back to school. And it took a lot of healing, a lot of courage, a lot of work to get my nerve up, to even face all that again. Um, But I did. And I graduated summa cum laude. I graduated with straight A's. Only God, only God could redeem all that pain and all that hurt. And so that was, that gave me confidence that I was on the healing path. But I knew I needed specific care for food. I knew it. I knew enough about it to know that, you know, generalized therapy wasn't going to do it for me. I'd had that already, but nobody knew what to do with the food stuff. So right after I graduated at 55, my mother died suddenly. And my best friend from childhood, I mean, my, she was my, I don't have sisters. So she was like my sister. She died suddenly also right after my mother. So I had these two back-to-back sudden tragic um, deaths and I couldn't stuff it anymore. I could not do it. You know, I've always been able to slap a smile on it and carry on, but I could not do it this time. So, be, with you know, I'm in Bible studies, you know, I'm studying the word of God myself. I'm I'm growing like a weed. I knew in my heart that I needed specialized help. So I found a therapist who specialized in women with body image issues, eating disorders, trauma, and grief. And I stepped, in, I stepped in that therapist office that day. She told me later, oh boy, <laughs> wow. You know, because I've been doing it for 50 years. So she said, what a challenge. But, you know, I graduated. I graduated and um, I did everything she told me to do. Everything. It was wow. amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> wow. Just like that willing spirit. It was time. You knew what you needed. Yes. You showed up. What did that look like? Because I know it wasn't like, oh, I get the prescription. I take the prescription. Yeah. Everything's better. No. What did working it out look like? I mean, initially,
2: she said, we're going to work on trauma. And I was there to get skinny. You know, that changed. But anyway, that's how I, that I, wanted, I wanted all this done now. And she said, we're going to work on trauma. And I said, what trauma? I have no trauma. I mean, I literally said that to her and she said, Laura, you just described gaining a hundred pounds as a bomb going off and everything changed. That was traumatic for your little self and it changed everything in your life. And it did. And then of course there've been other traumas too, like my mother and my best friend passing away within three months of each other and other things in my life too. So we worked on that to begin with. And she sent me to a, a dietitian, mm-hmm. and she was the one to talk to me about food. Initially, my therapist did not. And so, you know, again, I'm learning all kinds of things like, what does it feel like to actually be hungry? What Mm -hmm. does it feel like to be full? How to reconnect to my body? Because I was a head walking around, ignoring everything else. Um, So initially, I was resistant. You know, the therapist would say to me, um, where do you feel that in your body? And I'd express an emotion. I'd say, I have no idea. Yeah, none. <laughs> She'd say, okay. And then, you know, we come back to it. And then finally I would say, oh, I feel it in my arms. I feel it in my legs. I feel it in my core. You know, it was a, I had no I had an inkling of what she was trying to do, but I didn't quite understand. But of course, in hindsight, I know exactly what she was doing. But reconnecting with my body took a long time because I hated it so much. I didn't want to be its friend. I didn't want to admit that what I did at eleven years old was reasonable. That was another one, you know, can you, can you accept Laura that as an 11 year old, you had no power. You were under a lot of stress. There was a lot of expectations on a bright little girl like me. And this was how you coped with that. And my arms were folded across my chest. And I was like, no, I can't agree with that. It was bad. It was horrible. It was awful. But now I can, I can, I see it so clearly now. So it didn't look like I thought it was going to look. I thought we were going to talk about what I was supposed to eat, what I wasn't supposed to eat, you know, no. And I thought at the end of the therapy, when I graduated, so so to speak, when we parted company that I would weigh 120 pounds, that was the goal in my head. But little by little by little, all that got released. It just got released and released and released. And then I realized I was free and I'd lost a little bit of weight but i had i wasn't at 820 pounds but i was completely yeah. free completely free so not only am i free i'm me for the first time in my life i'm fully myself good bad ugly everything i'm me and that's what god does when he heals you it's been amazing yeah. it's been amazing and it's been fun to share it with other women
0: who want relief They want to be free. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to hear you say that it was not what you thought it was going to look like. The therapy, the working through it and like expecting the end result to be the same result you're trying to get with dieting. Right. It's so funny, but literally, I know everyone listening to this is like nodding her head like, yep, yeah, I think freedom looks like this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And freedom does not look like that.
2: No, you're you're still in bondage. You're just wearing smaller clothes and then you gain it all back again. You're just chasing your tail. It's so devastating to live like that. We miss out on so much.
1: Yeah, we do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. I just like, oh, I just like, I just want everybody to listen to this. Like, oh, like getting a counselor and a dietitian that are trauma informed and helping you connect with your body. And um the messy, like I know, I just I know those moments in those sessions where you were like, This is not what I expected. No. <laughs> like, and and like, in truth,
2: and to be honest, I mean, you know this, it's painful.
1: Yeah, it's very- I mean,
2: there's some serious pain. I was meeting actually with a woman this week who um needed some coaching and her story is traumatic and I said you need trauma therapy, and she said I, I don't have time. I, I, I have a job. I, I, you know. And I thought I said the same thing. You, ha- you really have no choice. You have to go. And she said but it'll hurt. And I said it will, but in the end, that light's going to come back on again. You're going to be in the dark longer than you want to be while you work through what you need to work through. But the light will come on, and a good therapist will re- reassure you of that. You know, yeah. I thought. I'm such a people pleaser. I hated being angry. I didn't like feeling uncomfortable. But she kept saying to me, "Stick with it. Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep going, girl. Keep going." And she was right. The light came back on, and it, oh my goodness, the stuff that happened. I mean, I was able to forgive. I was able to uh, completely my 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 entire way of thinking is changed. Yeah. It completely changed. So it was painful, but it was worth it. it yeah. So, and Tell God
1: was there. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Tell me about like kind of in the middle of that process. I'm working with a dietitian. I'm working with a therapist. I'm like feeling all the feels. I'm allowing myself to feel these things for the first time. Like, mm-hmm. how did God meet you in that? How were you spending time with the Lord then?
2: Well, whenever you, whenever you go into trauma therapy, usually they establish a safe place for you at your home or in your space. So right away, she said, I want you to tell me a place where you can go, where you feel close to God, where you, you know, so I picked my backyard under my my maple tree. It's my, it's my favorite place. And so I would go there when I could. Also, she taught me to go there in my mind if I couldn't go there physically, if I needed to process you know so i did that and she kind of talked about it being in a box and sometimes we need to open the box and bring out that place and go there in your mind i also needed safe people that i could talk to about this because it is so unconventional compared to what everybody else is doing and i had so many friends who were dieting like me <laughs> so You know, you don't want to, I never one time said, y'all need to stop that, you know, or anything like that. I just was on my own journey, but I had friends and a very supportive husband who um, was in it with me. And then with the Lord, I mean, the moment, this has been true of any healing I've had in my life. The moment you step in the right direction, he affirms you on the spot. You know, whether it's a scripture that you just happen to come across or a song or a person or just something in your spirit that he says to you, he doesn't wait for you to be healed to encourage you. Mm. He, you just turn in his direction and he's like, come on, keep coming, keep coming. And that's how he was with me the whole time. It was Mm. so grace-filled, even though it was painful, it was very, very grace-filled. We can trust him with this. Absolutely, yeah,
0: that's so good. I love that. I love that you um, are highlighting the he doesn't wait until the end part because I feel like a lot of people feel like the work, <laughs> the yes. inner work, this deep work, is something that they are doing, and it's like no, he's there and he's cheering you on and he's dropping you little breadcrumbs to follow. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I've
2: exactly. Totally experienced
0: that. It's so he's so good.
2: So, he's so kind. He's so kind that he would do, you know, when I graduated from college at fifty and then this, I'm like, that he would do this for me now is just so kind. I mean, it's just so kind. I'm so grateful. It's he's just so good. And he wants us free. He. He wants us free of this culture that keeps telling us we have to look a certain way and weigh a certain amount and fit into some box. I mean, we, it's so elusive. We will never ever get there. Why would we spend our time on it? But we do.
0: We do. So what are some ways that you are um, you know obeying him in this and resisting the culture and doing things his way and differently? What what works for you on that Laura?
2: Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is that it was scary to write a book on this and not be 120 pounds, not have some before and after picture to show, which I don't like anyway. I'm totally done with those. <laughs> but um, but you know what I mean? Like I, I thought, of course, the enemy comes in and is like, no one's going to believe you. Nobody's going to believe you. They're going to think you're a nut. But that has not been my, that has not been the case. I've had an opportunity to share this message in front of audiences before I wrote the book and as I was writing the book and then continuing on, although it's not the only thing I speak about. But that was the first thing was just being faithful to what God has taught me and just have the courage to just go ahead and, and go with it and not just keep it to myself, but to say, I'm free. <laughs> I don't know what else to say to you, but I am free. Um, So that's the first thing. Second thing, practically speaking, um, I I eat intuitively, you know, I eat three square meals a day and snacks in between 80% of the time. It's not perfect. It will never be perfect. Um, And I've learned not to beat myself up about any of it, any of it. So I don't have all that spiraling thinking of guilt and shame. And, you know, yesterday I ate the cheesecake. So today I can't have anything. You know, I eat the cheesecake. Okay. Okay carry on. <laughs> so I've learned to do that, but it took work. It took work. The thing that I need to do more of, um, that I do, but I need to do more of is moving. And that's the area I struggle with now the most. It's not perfect. You know, I need to get out and move more writing a book's the most sedentary thing you could ever do in your life, but that's not, that's not really an excuse. Um, so I do, I do move. I walk. Um, the Lord has really been speaking to me about strength training, especially at my age, and I really need to do it. So that's on my agenda. I also uh, try really hard to make sure that um, I don't fall back into any kind of dieting thinking or I have to guard my my thoughts, um, especially early on. I would say to myself, you know, if you gave up carbs for just a month, you drop a pant size, <laughs> you know. Um, so I have to guard myself against that. Um, prayer, gratitude, helping other women that's what does it for me, showing up yeah. as myself.
1: Yeah, I really feel like, um, if you have some, I feel like God laid things out for us this way that, um, there's. That you are supposed to have like wise women who have gone before you to reach back and help you. Yep. And, and as a woman, when you get somewhere as a woman or you're going down this journey, like that reaching back and helping the person behind you, is not just for them. Right. It's redeeming for you. It's also for you. Yes. Uh, And, and listen, Titus too, I
2: just did a lesson on this this morning at my church In Titus 2, you know, every people group is to be mentored by uh, the older male elders, except for one group, and that's the younger women. They're to be mentored by the older women. And in that text, it says, train them. And that word train means to bring to a sound mind. To bring to right thinking. So like I used to always think it was like a woman standing at the sink with an apron and a wooden spoon, like teaching some younger woman how to do the dishes or something. No, we're supposed to use our wisdom and our life experience with God and and help them align their thinking with the straight edge of God's word. That's what we're to do. And we're all older than somebody. Yeah. We don't have to wait till we're 64 like me to do it. We're all older than somebody. So it's so True.
1: Yeah. We it's, need that mentorship ourselves yes. and we need to mentor those younger than us. And yes. it, is, it is life changing. I will say the people that I feel um, really recover and stay strong in that recovery and continue to grow are the people that are doing some level of reaching back and helping others along the same journey.
2: And that's the model of many recovery groups, AA, Celebrate Recovery, all of those are, yeah. you know, once you're well enough, if you're mm-hmm. well enough, then you start reaching out to other people behind you. It keeps you sober, you know, so same thing with us. Yeah, That's making
0: me think of our, mm, our revival vision that the Lord kind of gave us at the beginning of this journey back before we started the podcast, even it was like, what would it look like if women who... By the help of God, by his grace, and by the help of other women reaching behind them, like, what if we all woke up to this and got the healing and became who he made us to be and weren't stuck in this <laughs> diet um, hell? Exactly. I said it. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I mean, It what, is. What would the world look like? Can you imagine totally if, if Christian women were free of this? Yes. And we're just running on purpose. Yes. What could happen? What the Lord could do with that? Well, I
2: remember going to um a retreat right at the beginning of my healing. I went to a retreat uh called Restore Me. It is for women who struggle with disordered eating, body image issues and so on. It's near here, near where I live. And I went as a I'm actually now on the team. I went once as a participant and now I've spoken for them and all that. But the first time I went, two things happened that were so remarkable. The first thing was there was a woman I met when I walked in who was way, like maybe twice my size. And I immediately felt pity. I felt so bad for her. And then I'm judging her, of course, in the nicest way, but in my head. And I'm thinking, oh, that poor thing. Oh my gosh, she's so far from being free. Oh, my, mama, you know." And then I met her. And she was already walking a mile a day, had been for a year. She'd lost a bunch of weight. She was not turning to food for anything other than nourishment. I mean, I looked at her and I thought, you're free and I'm not." You cannot tell how free someone is by looking at them. You don't know where they're on the path. I was humbled instantly. And the Lord started really dealing with my crazy thinking right there and then. And then the speaker got up the first night and said, do you realize how much you spend brain power wise on what am I going to wear tomorrow? What am I going to eat? What did I eat yesterday? Am I good? Am I?" She went down the whole list. And she said, when you're free, your brain is freed up to think about the things of God and get on with it. And I'd never thought of it that way. And then I thought, what would that feel like? But now I know. I know. It seemed impossible then. But with God, nothing's impossible. And it's never too late. I'm evidence of that. I'll take that one (laughs) in my age. But I just, it's just never too late. It's never too late, and the and again the the, the an army of women re, women released in this world that were not preoccupied with food and what they look like and all the things that go with that. I mean, I'm in the aging world now. That's another whole thing. You know, it's one thing. You know, listen anyway. Yeah. And the, the Christian women are bad. <laughs> Hate to use that word, but I mean, we're not exempt from that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) No, no. And I think, you know, Aaron and I had this vision. I always see like hundreds and hundreds of treadmills lined up with these women just walking (laughs) like their whole life. Right. Like their their face is like focused on a screen in front of them. That's like social media and all this stuff telling them what to do. And they're just walking on that treadmill. And it's like. I, it's like reminds me of the movie WALL-E. Like if we can just like kind of, if we can, if we can just bump them so that they notice like, oh, there's people like actually walking around in this world, like with the Lord and doing cool things. Right. We don't have to just walk on this treadmill and be sucked into this idea of what we're all supposed to be. So I, yeah, I just, I love the visual of the, these women like turning the treadmill off and getting off yes. and walking behind Jesus. I will Love be it. one of his disciples.
2: Yes. Beth Moore has a cute story she tells in one of her Bible studies about walking down a path and there were these ducks paddling around in a mud puddle on the side of the path. And she was looking at them and thinking how cute they were. And then she realized there was a sparkling pond right next to it, right next to them. But they were so busy in the mud puddle. They were missing this expansive, beautiful pond. And I took that to heart as my story. You know, same kind of thing. Like, I just thought this was it. And there was this whole other life out there. I was asked to be a speaker or encouraged to be a speaker most of my life. And I would not do it. I would not do it. Why? Guess why? I didn't want anyone looking at me. That was the first thing. The second thing was I thought nobody would want to look at me. And I thought I was too stupid because I'd flunked out of school that anybody would want to hear from me. And that kept me sidelined for decades. Decades. I don't want that for other women. I don't regret it. I, I I am so grateful for what God has taught me. And in the middle of all this heartache, this wonderful man comes into my life and I married him. We've been married 40 years. And he's never, ever given me a hard time about any of this. He's always been supportive but your husband can't fix you. He cannot. We have to, you know, only God can fix what he's created. And so I want you I just want younger women and women coming up behind me to know you don't have to wait to your to your 50. Really. Don't.
0: <laughs> don't. This episode of Intuitive Eating for Christian Women is brought to you by our monthly membership program. We have revamped the membership to include three different tiers at three different price points. So now you can customize your membership experience and select the features that you want the most. The three features I want to tell you about today are number one, the donut gang community. This is a private off Facebook community exclusively for members. That's right. You no longer have to deal with Facebook. Now you can have access to faith-based intuitive eating resources and the fellow women walking this path with you without having to go on social media. Oh, this was such a requested feature and we are thrilled to finally be able to offer it to our members. The second feature of the membership that has been updated is our book club. By request, we have slowed down the pace to give everybody more time to read along with us. Now, every other month, we are hosting a book club Exclusively for members, where we get together to discuss a book that we've been reading as a community with either the author or a special guest. The third membership feature that I'm really pumped about is the live podcasts. We record a podcast episode with a live audience of our members, and this episode does not release here on the regular podcast. It's exclusive content only for the membership. As a member, you get to submit questions in advance or join us on the recording and ask your questions live. We are creating so much additional content and community for this membership now. We are not just coffee dates anymore. We pray the membership program is just an incredible resource that encourages you and equips you to walk out this intuitive eating path with Jesus. If you want to learn more, go over to the podcast website, intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash membership. That's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash membership. If you're ready to invest in your faith-based intuitive eating journey and invest in relationships with like-minded women, then join our membership. All right. Now back to the episode. Oh man, only God can fix what he's created, Laura, that is such a good way to say that too. And I think it um it kind of highlights I, I've been saying it as this way. like it's not a problem with your body. Like this isn't a physical problem. This is a spiritual problem. And I think that like paints the picture and puts him in the correct, um, you know, place of of honor and control there that really says it really beautifully. I love that so much.
2: Well, we try to, you know, when we're feeling so bad about ourselves, you know, we try to get our man to fix us. Well, he can't. Poor soul. He he has no idea what to do with us. You know, so, you know that it's not his role. Uh, then we think that you know our children are going to do that for us. You know, I'm going to get an accomplished kid, and then that's going to fill every failure I've had. That's not fair. And your children, take it from me, go up and down, up and down. And we just can't ride that wave uh, with our self-esteem. We know that we are who we are in Christ and only God can fix what he's created. And that includes your kids and your spouse and everybody else too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I love remembering and knowing Um There are all these needs that we have that can only be met by the Lord. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: There's healing, there's growth, there's just, there's so much that we need that can only be met by the Lord. And um, when the Lord is taken out of things like marriage and our country and just and we're looking to our spouse to meet all those needs and they are like broken, sinful people right. they can't meet those needs or a diet or like we I just if, if, when you when you can let go of that pressure of like this person I am married to does not need to meet all of my needs wow it is a wow relationship you have what a marriage you have like oh god gets to meet all of these needs and i have like this this teammate here that we're going to go through life as our broken selves together and i just i i really appreciate that you're pointing that out um it's
2: true and it's a big step in maturity when you yeah. realize that, and all, a lot of this has to do with maturity. I believe we have little girl behaviors that, that we carry with us into our adulthood and they don't serve us anymore. We're, we're adults now. And that's a lot of my story as well. Is that you know, in the beginning of therapy, um, before I went for, um, food and body image and all that, you know, there were just a lot of little girl behaviors that needed to be cleaned up. And one of them was, I was depending on my husband to fix me. Yeah, yeah, and that,
1: that just makes me think of the like. Well, I'll be okay when, right? Like, well, this this body is awful, and all these things are awful. But if I get married, right. that'll fix it, right? That'll that'll do it. If I if you know if I just lose this much weight, or if I just get to whatever, um, and it it all falls short, if it's not God, all of it.
2: Yeah. Every bit of it, every bit of it. There's so much for us, but we, surrendering's usually the last thing we do. And we always wish we'd done it sooner. Mm-hmm. Always. I do.
0: Yes. That is such a good point on surrender. I feel like we talk about surrender a lot here and um, try to practice it a lot. <laughs> struggle to do so sometimes. I'm in a season of that right now. But like, we always wish we'd done it sooner. Is so true. Like, that's such a good point. I don't, I can't think of anybody from everyone I've talked to and all of this and working with a lot of women who are surrendering either idols or struggles or whatever it is. And they're just placing their health and their bodies back in the Lord's hands where they should have been. First, and it's like, not like, a
2: passive weak thing to do. We right. think of it as like, Oh, think of Jacob and I'm sorry. Think of Isaac, you know, Abraham and Isaac. Um, You know, that was not a weak thing to surrender his son to God. That was a strong thing. I mean, my gosh, none of us ever want to be asked that question. So Mm. surrender is strong because we're right. I mean, weak is denial. (laughs) But to, to be aware of something that you need to give over. And this is usually a love something you love. Whether it's your food, whether it's your diet, whether it's your kid, whether it's your husband, whatever, your job, your ministry, that's a strong thing to do. It's not a passive thing to do.
1: do yeah. You it takes what it, okay, go ahead. Cause I feel like we can like passively pick these things up, right? Like it takes so much intention to continually surrender these things to God. And then I like find myself like, oh, I picked that back up again. (laughs) Like (laughs) I'm trying to make this happen again. Like I need to let that go again. Like the passive thing is the like white knuckling. I'm just gonna like bull through, do this. Right. Um, It really takes intention to purposefully give it to the Lord.
2: And accountability with your girlfriends who remind you, remember when you gave that up? Like I saw you do it yes. at the last women's retreat. You walked up and dropped that thing at the foot of the cross. <laughs> yes. You picked it back up again. We need friends like that.
1: Yeah.
2: We do. Because we we're we're prone to go right back to the
1: Erin's you know, my the, friend the, like that. She calls yeah. me out.
0: Yeah, I have one too. Shar's my
1: <laughs> friend like that too. Yeah. So okay,
0: Laura, I'm just I'm wondering if you can remember if there was something specific or like a light bulb moment for you, an aha moment that made you like see surrender differently and helped you to do that? Like, do you remember what that was and when that um, happened in your story?
2: I, I mean, as far as the healing story goes, um, COVID was um, big for me on a lot of levels. One of the the things that was big was that I didn't see two of my children for over a year because one of them lives in California and the other, I'm in Maryland, and the other one was in Illinois. He's now home, but um, I didn't see them. And on Easter 2020, right after it happened, you know, we all got locked in. It was hitting me like, when am I going to see them? What's going to happen to them? Am I going to see them again? What if, you know, we didn't know anything then. That was the first month. And so we did a Zoom with the entire family, the extended family. And I was so upset. I'd been so brave about it. But when I saw everybody on the Zoom, I was so upset. And I walked, I got off the Zoom, and I walked into my kitchen. And that's what I would normally do without even thinking, you know, just walk in the kitchen and I walked in the kitchen and I, I have a little coffee bar and I like immediately made a right turn toward the coffee bar and I made herbal tea and I went and sat outside of my, under my tree. And I thought that's the first time that I had actually done that almost automatically. It wasn't completely automatic, but I caught myself and I, that was a little triumph for me, you know, and that one thing built on the other. And then the other thing I noticed also during COVID was that everybody was cooking and making pot roasts and doing all the nesting and I didn't do it. And that's my norm. We have snowstorms here, or at least we used to. Didn't have any this year, but we when we have a blizzard, you know, I would just start baking cookies, whatever, you know. And I never did that one time during COVID. It, that was it was no longer my norm. My norm was to take care of myself and that's what i leaned into and i didn't even realize it until we were a couple of weeks in and i thought oh, i haven't done one thing like i used to everything's new so that was really exciting and again he encourages you on the way so you surrender and then you have a little success and you know things start changing and then it gives you the courage to keep going so then you want to surrender more right i mean i want to surrender immediately Don't always, but I want to because I know it's good for me.
0: So true. Mm, That's good. So, what do you think is holding most women back from surrender? The women you work with, Mm. the women you coach, Mm
2: -hmm. what have you seen? Shame. Shame is without a doubt the most insidious, paralyzing thing that women deal with. Um, It comes in so many forms. And it just takes us over. It's not from our God. And for me, it was the first thing that had to go. I had to get straight who I am in Christ and that I am his daughter. I am a done change with what I look like, what age I am, what failures I have, what successes I have. On my identity is God's daughter. I'm not a failure. I've had failures, but I'm not a failure. I've had successes, I'm not a success. I'm me. And that's a mixed bag of a lot of things. Um, But I do think shame is insidious. I mean, women, we have shame for so, well, first of all, just the whole body thing alone. I'm not showing my body anymore. I'm not showing my arms. I'm not showing my neck. I'm not, oh, I'm wearing all black, you know, all those things we do to hide and conceal um, ourselves. So there's that. And then there's the shame because one in four of us have been abused in our lifetime you know, there's so much. Oh, there's so much that women carry around. Then we feel guilty about our children. You know, we feel guilty about all kinds of things. Sexual immorality. If we, you know, I, I work with women who are my age and they had, you know, they had they slept with their boyfriend when they were 18 and they still think they're ruined. They're not ruined. They're not ruined, but they believe that. No matter what the scriptures say, they believe that because you know, that's been internalized. So, and then that plays out with food sometimes too, right? It's, it's not, we, we, we know it's not the food, it's the why. It's the why. We, some people turn to alcohol, some people shop, we eat. So I, I just think it's shame. I, I, It's everywhere. If I say the word shame in front of a group of women, I actually did this morning, they all start nodding their heads and shaking their heads and they they understand. The culture does it to us too.
1: Yeah. And it's um you we eat or we don't eat.
2: Well, that's true. That's true. Absolutely. And it's all the food same.
1: Food. It's yeah. the same. The same.
2: I was in a, a small support group that my dietitian put on for women, her clients. And I had never been in a circle of women with eating disorders before. And so most of the people in the room were bulimic or anorexic. And I thought, I wonder what that's going to be like. It felt like a Bible study. I felt like I was with my sisters. We all had basically the same story. We, it just manifested itself differently. That was it. It was eye-opening and beautiful. I was hugging them all at the end.
0: <laughs> I just love them so much. Oh, yeah, it's that's really awesome. good. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Laura, I want you to tell us a little bit about Still Becoming.
2: Still Becoming is the story of my years in therapy for disordered eating, body image, and an unhealthy relationship with food. Uh, it's everything I learned along the way. Actually, not everything, almost everything, because it's a 31-day devotional. It's there. It's a journal. And I walk women through a very sacred grace-filled journey. I encourage them to put dieting down for 31 days while they do the, the devotional. And I tell them, it's a free country. You don't have to. I, I feel very committed to no legalism because we're so black and white in our thinking when we have problems with food. It's all or nothing. So I, I don't want to ever tell anyone uh, that they need to stop. I, that's God's job. But I do suggest it. And then I walk them through all, all the different aspects. Like We do talk about beauty and aging and finding your voice and our identity as God's female creation. And then there's practical things about firing the food police and, you know, learning to reconnect with your body and before and after pictures and why I think they're really shaming and unhelpful. <laughs> unhelpful. <laughs> so there's some practical things in there too. Um, but I talk about all the things that play into why we eat and why we, why we hate our bodies and how we can love our bodies and still want to improve them. Those two feelings can coexist together.
0: Oh, yes. That is like the power of and we talk about that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's mm-hmm. even where my blog motto is from. So oh, I love wow. I love wow. that you are um, really sharing that. I think this sounds like an incredible resource and um, we will be definitely linking to that. And I'd be, be interested you. in talking with you later about maybe doing that for a book club because we have a book club we love to do with the community. I'm just so glad you wrote it and I ha- I just want to know if there was a little god story behind like the timing of the writing or what finally gave you the courage to to sit down and do it. What well, was that like I think
2: it it was because I was starting to speak on it. I generally speak on um emotional and spiritual maturity. That's generally what I've been speaking for for on a, for 10 years. Uh, but then this happened, you know, and I always told my testimony, but I never had an answer, you know, I'm like, I'm still in it. And that's how I'd leave everybody. And I, I just felt like I needed to write a message that started sharing what was happening with, with all that was happening with me. So I did. And then I became a part of first place for health, which is a wellness um, ministry. I, that was, well, nothing's random, but it, was quite random how I ran into them and they ran into me. And so I started speaking for them and they, they gave me the opportunity to share this message. And then two years ago, I was keynoting for them and at the Restore Me retreat. And I felt like I wanted women to have something they could take home with them. So I wrote a 10 day devotional and I just printed it myself and it did well. And then that summer I pitched it uh, as a, as a 31 day devotional. And then Got into the whole book world, which was
0: different. (laughs) That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Yes, it is. And we'll have to have that one off there one time. But yeah, just that's amazing. I love that so much. Thank you for creating that resource and for speaking on it. Please keep doing that. (laughs) I'm going to. I'm going to. Thank you. As long as he lets me, I will. Oh, so good. Your testimony is just so powerful.
2: Thank you. I love God. He's been so good to me. He's been so good to me. We just have to trust Him. You know, one of the aspects of learning to trust your body again is that you learn to trust the one who created your body. Yes. You know, you're running and running away from it all these years when, in fact, it's such a miraculous thing. And you're like, oh my gosh, Lord, you created my body to heal. It's amazing. I mean, Once I gave up dieting, I have not yo-yoed one second. Everything's stabilized. I'm healthier than I've ever been. I'm taking better care of myself because I care about myself. It's amazing how that works. You can't hate your body into loving it or treating it well.
0: Yes. That's so true. The fear and shame motivators are actually really weak. They seem like they would be good motivators, but they actually are not at all. Not at all. Your story really, really highlights that. Mm -hmm. that It's just to be able to say I care and that's why I care. Like, you know, it's so it builds on itself and it Mm -hmm. snowballs and it gets better and it grows. And I think it's really cool that, you know, your topic before sharing your food and body story was on maturity because I think it takes a lot of spiritual maturity to do this particular thing that we're doing, <laughs> we're
2: and, it, doing. and it, it 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 takes some maturity, but it also builds your maturity. Yes, because you speak with authority now on what God has done in your life, and you can testify to that. Mm-hmm. And you are compelled to tell others. You know, if I can stand in front of someone imperfect with this imperfect body and say, "Look, I'm free," believe yeah. me you know, I don't think the way I used to. I don't behave the way I used to. I don't see God the way I used to. I don't see myself the way I used to. I don't see you the way I used to. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. who can dispute that? Mm-hmm. Who can dispute that?
1: And yeah, it, it I always gives... say people can't argue with your story. No. They can argue about statistics. They can argue about science. They can argue about all kinds of stuff. But like, no one can say, like, that's not true, that that was your experience.
2: <laughs> right.
1: It's so true.
2: And you, and by more of us coming up and stepping forward and saying, this is what freedom is, mm-hmm. it empowers the rest of them to have courage, too. Because it is scary to give it up. That's real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is real. And you have all this culture coming at you, telling you, you've got to give up all these food groups, or you've got to do this one thing, or you need to detox this or that. I mean, the whole... And it all speaks toward a poor a body that can't regulate itself, yeah,, yes. but it can. It can. I mean, sometimes we're sick and it can't. But generally speaking, our bodies can regulate they're 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 made to last for a lifetime. <laughs> it's just amazing. I just laughed because of the things I believed. yeah, I just believe them. Hmm. I believed in an industry that was invested in my failure.
0: profiting from it too right
2: right i mean in the scripture of the woman who's had the issue with blood it says in one of the one of the gospels that she spent all her money on cures only to end up worse than she was at the beginning and i was like that was me yeah you know the money the time the cooking two meals every day one for me and one for the family oh my gosh, bondage capital b (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I, it's. It's really interesting because I think that um, our culture, like you know, you said you saw that lady at the conference and you just assumed all these things about her by looking right. at her body. And um, our culture would look at a body size and like, oh, that person can't be happy. That must be bondage, right? Um yes. But like, I can tell you, I'm in the biggest body I've ever been in, and I am so much freer. Than when I, I was know in that smaller body, right? Like I look at pictures of me in that smaller body, and like that was bondage. Oh that yes. was tough, right. That was not good. Um, exactly.
2: Exactly. So,
1: yeah, freedom you can is be not a body size. Yeah,
2: it isn't. It isn't. And you know, my best friend growing up, who passed away, had dwarfism. Mm. She was a little person. She was a giant of a human being, by the way. And, <laughs> and she you know, graduated with honors in, in actuary math from some private school in New York. I mean, she lived, worked on Capitol Hill. She had this great life. She traveled the world. The last picture I saw of her was in a bathing suit with scuba gear on. And I looked at that picture and I thought, I wouldn't do that. And there she was, perfectly comfortable as herself. And really annoyed at me because I was always complaining about my body. You know, she'd be like, shut up stop it. <laughs> I learned so much from her. But if, if if Mary Lou was held up to the standards of this world, and she bought into it, she wouldn't have stood a chance. And that's not God.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That is not God. It's more than just what we weigh. It's what we look like. It's how our bodies are structured. It's, it's people with disabilities, people who are made differently. You know, we all have value. Yeah. And God's definition of beautiful is completely different thank goodness
1: yeah yeah and thank goodness everybody's created differently exactly thank goodness there's variety
2: oh my goodness what we learned from each other I mean when she Mm -hmm. passed away I mean I already knew she was a treasure in my life I mean I always knew it and but when she passed away and that 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 voice was gone you know Mm. I was like oh my gosh lord I'm so grateful because I learned so much from her and her courage and her ability, because of her own upbringing, to be her true self the whole time. She never one time knew. She always knew who she was. It's amazing. It should have rubbed off on me, but but it didn't not until later. Sounds
1: like it did. It just took some time to <laughs> build up in there. Yeah.
2: There you go. I wish she was alive so I could tell her, you know, yeah. because... Um, I was just on the very beginning of it when when she passed away and we had had lunch. But there's just, you know, when you play this out, what all this is saying, you know, that you have to weigh a certain number, you have to look a certain way, you have to be, you know, no wrinkles, you know, tight face, tight neck, all that. um, You leave out a lot of people, including me. (laughs) But, you know, but you know what I'm saying? When you play it out, it's
0: it's really horrible. And it's not God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be like your friend thinking like the only thing she had to offer was her body to the world. And it's like, actually, it was all of this life and Uh, goodness and intelligence and everything she taught you and just how she lived her life. Like what you're offering the world has nothing to do with what you look like. Exactly. It's not your gift. Right.
2: And she was beautiful, by the way, adorable. But, you know, by the world standards, you know, it was hard in the teen years. You know, but then she married a great guy. She married a great guy. So, you know, I don't know. I didn't mean to get off on that, but I just, I, that's where this led me in my head too, is that, you know, there's like this many people who might look like Barbie. <laughs> the rest
0: of us, you know, yeah. didn't have me. It just, it needs to be repeated and we should always say it like, and I love that it's being highlighted so well in this episode, like freedom doesn't have a look, nope. health doesn't have a size. Like, That's right. this is not about your body's appearance. The Lord is not looking at your body. He's looking nope. at your heart.
2: That's right. And we need to be trained to do the same thing. We need to learn to do the same thing. That's been challenging for me. If I see a woman, a friend of mine who's lost a lot of weight, I, my automatic thing is I want to say something, and I've trained myself not to. And then I do the thing in my head, well, she's thinking I'm jealous? Is she thinking I don't notice? does she think I'm being mean? you know, but I have to live with that. I do because I know that when she gains it back, I'm also, it has never been said to her out of my mouth that now you're pretty, now you're good, you know, but it's definitely swimming up, swimming against the, the current
0: when you do that. Yeah. And you said train Laura. So I'm, I'm brought back to your Titus reference. It's like, yes. we need to have right thinking about this. And it takes a lot of unlearning and relearning and talking about it with other women to get on the same page and to do something differently. And, um, you know, we maybe can't change the entire culture, but it's like you said, it's like, it's not coming out of my mouth. Right. I will not, I will not participate in this. And um, gosh, if there's any nuggets, well, there's so many nuggets. You said so many good things, Laura. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If we get one actionable takeaway for people today, it's like, stop talking about bodies
2: right including your own including everyone's
0: yes find something else to discuss yes please there's plenty (laughs) let's put food in there too (laughs) unless you're ordering your meal and you have to say the food out loud like just like we if we just stopped talking about food and bodies all the time as christian women and we started um, receiving the training that we need and we just went out and got off of these treadmills and went out into the world yes well that's why the enemy wants
2: to keep us stuck. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we'd be a force. So the original word for woman at creation is Ezer. It's it, in, in our translations, it's helper or help meet. That word, you can also pronounce it Azer, both ways. But that word means rescuing strong power. We're, we're we're rescuing strong powers. That's how he created us. Don't you think the enemy wants to keep us believing something completely different about ourselves? I mean, of course. It's effective, too.
0: Yeah, we all know it is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so, and it, you know, it, it, it's been this way since the garden. I mean, it's just been this way. Yeah. It looks different in every generation, but women have had to deal with this for a very long time. It's really tiresome. It's time for it to be done. I agree.
0: He's working on it. I've been feeling it for a couple of years and we have um, new voices coming into the space and books and uh, conferences. And so like he's, he's pulling this up from, um, from the ground up. And so I think, uh, talking about what the Lord is doing in your life and sharing your testimony. If you haven't yet done that woman who is listening and he's healed you, tell somebody. Mm-hmm tell somebody what he did for you your testimony has power it can't be argued with So tell somebody who needs to hear it it's there's so much power in that so laura like your your testimony is particularly beautiful and i can't i can't let you go before we talk a little bit about just this thing that i want to highlight um that I think is really, really apparent in your story. And it's like, it's never too late. You got on a different path at the age of 50 when you went back to school. It
2: is never too late. And older women want to check out a lot of us. And part of that is also the culture. You know, you can, I can feel it at times, you know, where are they taking me seriously now? (laughs) You know, um, it is part of the culture but we cannot check out we cannot check out it is never too late and when i say that to women especially if the audience is full of older women they look at me with these big eyes like really do you think it's really because they want to believe that too and it is true he, if if we're no longer of use he's going to take us home when our days are done he'll take us home but i have a granddaughter now you know a little girl i have three sons and now we have a girl and I got some work to do, yeah. <laughs> you know, I do supporting her mom and dad and loving my granddaughter. And, cool. you know, now I want to stay longer because I want to see how that all plays out. Yeah, uh, we, we can't. It's never too late. That That is, um, I believe, I honestly believe this, that Christian women cannot say that. We can't say it's never too late because that does not line up with scripture. And secondly, we can't say that's just the way I am. Mm-mm. Because it's never too late for God to write a new story and to heal us from something. And if we have to say that's just the way I am, there's a problem <laughs> that needs to be fixed. Yeah, mm, never too late. I, I thought I was too late at 11. And a therapist said to me early on, she said, So when, when was it too late for you? I said, 11. And she said, How old's your son? And at that time he was 12 and I said, 12. And she said, Laura, is there anything that Matthew could do to completely ruin his life right now? And I said, of course not. Is there anything that he could do to make God so disappointed in him that he would take everything away from him? Well, of course not. And she said, then why have you given yourself that sentence? Eye opening. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's good.
2: We take on false beliefs and we live like they're true and they keep us they keep us from living our, our real life fully yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah those limiting beliefs those lies that get in there it does take work to pull them out but i think um i think all all of us on the call right now can attest to like doing that weeding of the heart and soul and it was painful but uh, it can be
2: done It can be done. And it's God's way. You know, he could, you know, go zap, you're healed and be done. But he puts us through a process because that's how we learn who he is. Mm -hmm. That's how we learn who he is. And we need to know who he is as best we can as human people. Mm -hmm. Because that strengthens our trust muscle that holds us upright as we carry on through life. So it's important. We should it's painful, but we should welcome those processes because he's about to reveal something really special to us.
0: yeah, I love that you're highlighting that it's a process too. that that is such a um, a good intersection and overlap, I feel, between like intuitive eating and the walk with the Lord. It's like this. Mm-hmm is not done. Every day I get to learn more and rely on God more and have him reveal himself to me more and trust more and just lean into creation and his way more. Like yes. it's not you don't get finished.
2: <laughs> Never. Never. You're still becoming still becoming what you did there. I <laughs> love see? it. Yes, that's exactly why it's called that, because that's yeah. the Christian journey is still becoming sanctification is the churchy word we're always still becoming who he created us to be and life changes things happen he's with us through it through it all and even when tragedy hits like the two deaths that i experienced now eight years ago he was there through that whole thing and you know, it's not selfish that he also grows you through it. You know, I mean, a lot of times we want to deny ourselves and say, oh, this isn't about me. No, it's not about you. But God is always multitasking. He takes a situation and he can grow a whole lot of people through that if we cooperate. And I would I've often said I would have my mother and Mary Lou back tomorrow, but I don't want to give back what I learned about him when they died. I don't want to give that back at all. It's amazing. It's amazing.
0: Well, thank you so much, Laura. Your your wisdom and your story, I know, are just going to be so encouraging.
1: Thank so you. encouraging to the so. listeners.
0: Could you um, share with everybody where to find you online and, and how to get the book and just anything else that you're doing that um, you could share yeah. with them? Um, my book is
2: available, Still Becoming, Hope, Help, and Healing for the Diet-Weary Soul is available on Amazon and Books of Notebook. Books and Noble, that's good. Barnes and Noble, um, Books a Million, and on my website, everywhere else too. I think it's on Walmart and all those places. And then um, my website is www.laura-acuna.com, and everything's there. And I have a podcast called The Still Becoming Podcast, and season one is all about the book. I share almost a third or more of the book in that podcast that season and in season two um, I've been addressing where other other places in life as women where we can get stuck. And you can find that everywhere. That's everywhere too.
0: Awesome! So good. So much good stuff from you. Thank you so much for sharing uh, with us today and just being so um, vulnerable and your story is just uh, such a gift. So thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And as I said at the beginning, it's just so much fun having a conversation with women who speak the same language. It's awesome. Yeah. And I just, it really, you know, it's very isolating in ministry at times. And so it's just great to know that there are my sisters out there that are fighting the same battle and have answered the same call.
1: Yeah, It's a breath of fresh air
2: mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. It's been very good for me too. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Could you close with a prayer, Laura?
2: Yes, I will. All right. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I I pray for the women who are listening right now who are maybe just beginning to dare to believe that they could be free too. And so, Father, I just ask you to take your Holy Spirit and send um, him to each woman who's listening and that you would speak to her through your spirit in a very specific way. Lord, give her the courage to follow where you're leading Lord, help her to find sisters for the journey so that she's not alone. But mostly, Lord, I just pray that every woman who hears this episode knows how much she's loved by you and valued by you without changing one thing about herself, that you you love her just as she is. Father, give her a glimmer of what freedom might be like. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We hope this conversation was an encouragement to you. And we hope this isn't the only conversation you're having in your day or your week about this kind of important stuff, our faith, our health, our purpose. Friend, you cannot just listen to a podcast and expect things to be different. We want you to walk this out in your own life. And hey, that is so much easier to do when you get in community. Remember, you do not ever have to walk this path alone and you're not meant to walk it alone. So I want you to ask yourself today, how much support and community do I really need right now? If you just want to connect with some other women and be surrounded by people that get it, then come over to our free private Facebook community. If you need a little bit more support, accountability, and encouragement, then come check out our paid monthly membership program. We have multiple Zoom events every month and a wealth of resources that you can just plug right into for some support. And if you're ready to go all in with an online course, check out our 11-week signature course called The Attunement Reset. You can access all of these resources through our podcast website, intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. That's intuitive eating for Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you in the next episode.